everybody. Welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kurtz. I'm here with a very special guest, my man, the buzzsaw, George Martinez. How you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? Doing very good. Thank you very much for taking the time. You know, I do got to start this off and kick it off by saying, you know, fuck the Patriots. <laughs> you know, you're wearing that shit on my show right here. It's kind of like a kick in the dick right away to start it. But you you're know, making it better, you know? You know, my man, still love. Still love. <laughs> hey, man, you got to have haters or... You ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, man. So, George, real quick, why don't you let everybody out there know, you know, where uh, where can they follow you online? You know, is there any sponsors that you want to shout out? Anything like that right away? Yeah, of course, man. So, Facebook is my main thing. Uh, you can find me at George Buzzsaw Martinez. Uh, it's not many buzzsaws out there, so if you click up Buzzsaw, you'll find me. Uh, my Instagram is going to be George.Martinez.188. Follow me on there. And Twitter, I don't really fuck with Twitter, so it's no point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to give a huge shout out to uh, Hugh and Huge and Devon, uh, big sponsors of mine. I just found them my last fight, and they're taking really good care of us, um, as well as Hector's Cleaning Services. They've been there since the beginning of my career, sponsoring me. Uh, Endurance Roofing, a new sponsor I also just recently found. And uh, a good auto, or what was it? A good shop, which is an auto shop. And uh, if you ever need any car services, they're always down there and take good care of you. What about uh, what about management? Want to throw management? Out there? Yeah, for sure, man. Mike Hell, Mike Hell's been my manager uh, since I went pro, and he's been taking me to the top so far. He got me on a little streak going, finding some tough opponents, getting my name out there. Texas, out, out here, New Mexico, so trying to keep that ball going, rolling, keep going, climbing up. Definitely been working hard. I mean, it's no no shortage of blood, sweat, and tears put in the room here at Factory X. That's for damn sure every oh, single day. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned having uh, having some good good matchups, putting together a pretty solid string of wins. You're just coming off of a first-round TKO finish. How's that feel? Oh, it feels great. feels great. I mean... Kind of wish I would have lasted a little longer, but we can't <laughs> complain, you know. Out there collecting a paycheck at the end of the day, and that's what we're out there for. And enjoying doing what we do, you know, having fun. This is what we do. We train to go have fun at the end of the day, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and then it has to help that you actually got to do it close to home this time, albeit a lot of adversity and, you know, the weigh-in process and all that, because for those of you who don't know, we've been having some pretty treacherous weather storms here in the wintertime oh, in yeah. Colorado right now. So George had to definitely deal with the worst of that, trying to get through uh, through the stretch of Monument. So for those of you who know who've ever driven on I-25, they know that Monument on a snowy day is an absolute wreck to try to get through. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen so many broken down cars, accidents, spun outs. It was ridiculous. The 20 car pile up on I-25. Oh, God. Well, it used to be a maybe 45 minute to an hour drive. It took three and a half hours. So it was miserable. Plus cutting weight. Uh, I was just thankful it was a catch weight this time at 1.30. So, yeah, I'm sure five not extra having pounds. to get that Oh, I would have been miserable. For I can sure. only imagine what the mindset would have been, or how I just <laughs> stirred like a just caged animal essentially at that point when you yeah. were when you're in that 
weight cut brain, and you're sitting in the car like that, and you're not moving. Yeah, like sucks. We so we had to experience that slightly, and I say we lightly in the sense that all I was there was driving and Neil helping provide the transportation. But I was with I was with Yolo and Austin for uh, for the trip over to the uh, the weigh-ins yeah. for LFA last month. And we had to sit through traffic for a little bit. And I just keep on hearing every couple of seconds from each direction of them in the car. <sighs> like just completely readjusting and just taking a deep breath in and out. Like, you good? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. But we're really not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I, I could only imagine having to be in the car for, you know, three and a half hours in that situation oh, miserable we were only you know so from from here to westminster down or you know so we're in englewood right now that's normally about a no traffic 25 30 minutes tops yeah not far at all it took us close to an hour yeah. just from the traffic that was going on that day so it was like oh my god like can we just get these guys here as fast <laughs> as we can for their sake just so they can start getting you know getting some hydration yeah, back into I mean, them and, on top and yolo of that, was crazy as i was gonna drive hey, myself i know i was gonna drive myself too <laughs> just like shit everybody absolute, everybody yeah. was at the fight and cornering and stuff and i'm like i told coaches like who's driving i was like myself <laughs> no you're not yeah <laughs> all right well let's see what i find but luckily my sister was able um she was gonna watch the fights too but she took the time and sacrificed her time to come and help me drive which i'm very thankful for that's um, good but yeah i mean and then on top of everything we still waited another hour for a commission so it didn't really matter what time i got there you know <laughs> Dealing with the commission is... Always fun. Always fun. <laughs> let, we could just leave it at that. You know, spare any sort of future headaches by saying it's just, it's a fun <laughs> uh, fun interaction, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. I'll just leave it out there that, you know, Thomas Denny may have, uh, you know, pulled a slick one right in front of the commissioner's eyes that everybody in the room saw, <laughs> but, you know, neither here nor there. Who's, uh, who's one to judge, yeah. you know? So, what's next? Um, you know, I'm just staying ready. Um, staying ready. Hopefully, we get some news here soon. I mean, I know he's working on a few fights that they offered him, but he hasn't given me any details just because he's trying to work out all the travel and all the pay and all that good stuff that I hire him for, you know, doing his job. Yeah, so, yeah, but he already informed me that there is a few fights that are cooking up, trying to just figure things out and minor details. details. Nice. Yeah. So how do you feel about this whole kind of, I guess, limbo or the predicament of where the 125 division is as far as the UFC is concerned, at least? Like, there hasn't been anything definitive that they've came out to say, yes, it's here to stay. No, it's not. They keep on booking fights. You know, that you right. have good showings from guys like Joe Benavidez mm-hmm. to, you know. So I don't know, like, you being a fighter in that division, what, what's your thoughts? Like, what do you feel about that? No, it's definitely, like, a bit heartbreaking, you know, because that's um, ultimate, like, your goal is to make it to that show, you know, having mm-hmm. your name on the biggest platform that there is to have it. And just knowing that what you're working for, you now you have to do all these different changes and all these different tweaks. Now I have to try to gain weight, possibly, if they do take it out. You know, I have to try to gain muscle and stuff. And... It's it's a it's kind of like a mind game at the same time, where 
you want to figure out like you st- I still want to pursue the same thing you know it's just now a much harder obstacle to overcome you know because I feel comfortable at 125 and I, I feel dominant at 125 and you know I go with 35ers here and I mean I definitely they're a good challenge for me and I, I don't think I would be a bad 135er I just like I'm comfortable at 125 you know and yeah like it said it, it, it sucks it sucks knowing that you know there's that possibility that they can take it out and yeah there's alternative routes you know there's other shows um you know where you could potentially still make a living off of fighting and because that's basically what my objective is is just be able to have a decent life yeah, yeah, off yeah. doing something i love yeah, yeah you know without worrying or anything um, well i mean you keep a pretty level head about your approach with it you know I, th- I think that whatever direction it ends up going you're going to be just fine with it you know and I'll have to tell you too you know you're very dynamic within your style like you have solid wrestling you have a lot of variation and you know different looks that you bring to striking trying to take pictures of you is a challenge <laughs> let me just tell all you out there you know I mean my man's throwing like Kaipera kicks and spinning shit left and right I'm trying to stay in focus like oh my god like you know what, what, where's he at like he's in the frame one second that he's not like holy shit yeah man funny story is uh I started doing all that because I couldn't do head kicks. I was never, well, I wasn't flexible back then when I first started. I had horrible hips, and I couldn't do head kicks. That was my problem. I didn't have no flexibility in my hips. And I was training with, like, Matt Mancineris at the time, and he was teaching me all these, like, crazy, like, back-spinning heel kicks and stuff. And then Showtime came out at that time doing that kick, and I started learning that, and... After that, I just kind of, like, was noticing that it was working for me and yeah. it was landing because it was, like, a, a surprise for everyone. Like, they weren't expecting it. And I was like, damn, well, I started, like, just messing around with different stuff and whatever worked, worked, and whatever didn't, didn't, you know? And I do. I mean, I get it a lot that, they, you know, have a crazy fighting style. It's, a, it's unique. I don't think you can go to any gym and tell somebody to prepare you for, for me. Like, I don't think anybody has that same style that I have. And I'm always, like, evolving, too. I'm always trying to find new crazy shit to surprise people with. Your nickname is literally fitting (laughs) in that sense. Like, it is, ladies and gentlemen out there listening, it is like a buzzsaw. (laughs) You start seeing that spinning shit going left and right. Bodies are flying. You might see assholes and elbows going every which direction. But it's, it's fucking crazy to watch. But it's all you know. It, it's fun to see you know a, a different mix into it because your wrestling is good too, and you know so because sometimes you know like you may or these guys may be looking for that. Well, that sets up your takedown, or that right. sets up like you know in in your uh, your fight over the summer where you had the ten finger choke. Right. You know, like all all of that, your your dynamic ability as a striker just accentuates your ability as a grappler. Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to. I was. I wasn't comfortable in my stand up. Uh, especially in the beginning, you know, I came off of wrestling, I wrestled two years, and that's what I knew, that's all I knew, you know, I was good at that, and if you go and look at my career, and my amateur careers, my first seven or eight fights, I literally would just take down and hold, you know, and I would try all this crazy stuff in practice, but I was, never felt confident enough to do it, I never believed in myself, I never believed in my stand-up and stuff, and when I fought for my... I think it was my first title in Billings, Montana for uh, Fusion. 
I was wrestling a, I was fighting a wrestler and he had beat me before wrestling so I wanted to avoid all wrestling mm-hmm. and I dominated the whole fight all five rounds standing up defended every takedown and just kept it standing up busted him up broke his nose and ever since that day like that's what broke that unconfidence that I had and I started working on my stand-up on each fight, you know. Obviously, I mean, I like putting on a show and stuff and everything. But, I mean, if I have to just wrestle somebody because I know I'm going to win the fight, I'm going to do it. I'm also going to be smart about my decisions in fighting. And I'll please the crowd when I can, you know. But at the end of the day, I got I to gotta be selfish and do this for me and my people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just like you said, you hit the nail on the head. At the end of the day... You are a part of a team, and there is a collective aspect, but you're the one who gets locked in there. I agree. So you do have to satisfy some individual needs just to be able to survive, for that matter. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you have to. You know, it's, it's funny, because now that we're starting to talk through some of these stories, you've had some pretty interesting things that you've had to go through with your fights, right? Because in Montana, in you, you, didn't have, yeah, you didn't have gloves, they didn't provide oh, you with gloves yeah. or anything, right? Oof. Yeah, that was a, a crazy fight. So the first time I fought that guy, uh, it was a, a title fight that was declared out weigh-ins. Like, we all weighed in, and they're like, all right, this is a title fight. And it was five rounds, you know, which originally was three. So I, I trained for three fights. I mean, for three rounds, not three, not five rounds. And kind of got me off guard, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, let's, let's do it, you know. It's my first title shot ever, you know. And... We go, we get there, we get to the venue, we start uh, start getting to the locker room and setting our stuff down, and they're talking about, hey, well, uh, I need all the fighters down at the cage uh, before the show starts. So we're like, okay, cool. We get there, we wait about 15 minutes, the show's about to start, and then they tell us, all right, well, uh, we're going to do like a little mini face-off here in the front, like so the crowd can see all the fighters and stuff, and this, this, and that. All right, yeah, sure, you know. So blue corner's here, red corner's here. There's only about, like, three or four of the red corner, which was the home crowd people and stuff. And I'm looking across. I don't see my opponent. We were, like, the third or fourth fight. So I was like, okay, well, all right. Must be in the bathroom. Something must have happened. He might not be ready or whatever. I didn't really pay much attention to it until I realized we go back. Fight goes one goes right away. Fight two goes right away. Three is first round I think all three rounds maybe one went to the second round and after that it was all first rounds like quick first rounds so I'm barely like just finished jumping rope like trying to get a little sweat on and hey George you're on deck well I haven't even warmed up like <laughs> what like can we get some time to warm up like anything it's like my opponent wasn't out there and I know why now you know he was obviously warming up because sure enough out there he was having he had a good sweat going on already you know so they're like, no, you're on deck. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, okay, whatever. We're walking down the hallway. I don't got my gloves on because they said they were going to provide gloves. We get almost to the cage, and they're like, hey, where are your gloves? Um, well, I was never given any gloves, so I was waiting on my gloves. And they're like, oh, God, okay, well, let's see what we can do. It's like, oh, God, I'm not going to wait for you guys. I ended up sending one of my corners, hey, go grab. I always carry a pair of gloves for that same reason. I go grab my gloves from the bag grab them i'm taping them as i'm getting into the cage you know with athletic tape yeah with athletic tape yeah commission based yeah tape exactly right? yeah. not signed off or anything you know so i ever signed them up i mean i 
tear the tape off. I'm in the cage, and at that point, my mind's just like, fuck, all right, I need to block everything out and just focus on my fight. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that, and he submitted me in the first round. So the promoter reached out to me and said, hey, I heard what happened and this, this, and that, and I want to make it up to you. I was like, well, it's like, I don't think I want to fight for you anymore. Like, that's that's a lot that you made me go through, and, like, as a fighter, I don't need to be experiencing all these other stress on top of what I'm already trying to deal with, you know, which is a fight, which is a big deal. And he was like, all right, well, let me give you a rematch with this guy uh, in two months for the title. Um, I'll make sure you're well taken care of, and uh, if we can't please you or satisfy you, you don't have to fight for us again. I was like, all right, that's fine. Took the fight. Uh, took a fight in between that gap against uh, Angel Estrada uh, from Edge in Colorado. And then I fought that guy and just completely dominated him for all five rounds. I was going for the kill, but, man, this guy had a chin. I think there was, like, three or four knockdowns, and I just could not put him just out. Yeah, he, he had heart for sure, and he was undefeated. He was a five and zero or six and zero, you know, and he didn't want to lose, and I understand, but sometimes you just gotta give those people their first loss, you know. Yep, exactly. You know, I gotta ask you with that, what, what, you know, what was your thoughts on this last weekend's card? You know, obviously, shout out to you know, shout out to Factory X, you know, Jonathan Martinez and King Cage got it done. Uh, yeah. But in terms of you know, as a fan seeing Anderson go out there for what a lot of people thought was going to be the swan song. You know, yeah, a lot of people thought, and I think to a certain extent, and this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm just overanalyzing the situation, but the level of emotion that Anderson had at the weigh-in and the press conference and all that, it was almost like he knew that this could be the very last time that he was almost about to be kind of that sacrificial lamb, or you know he was he was that old warrior that was about to take his last stand potentially yeah. that you know he may be making this trip that he may not be returning from yeah no i definitely agree I, my thoughts of that fight were that you know they were just pretty much feeding this new prospect to you know have his name out there you know you beat Anderson Silva everybody knows your name and I mean in my head I'm thinking like this is like new school versus old school you know and this guy um, it's Israel right Israel, Israel out of sun yeah yep, the last style bender. Israel he his style is pretty unique too you know and I honestly I didn't think Anderson was going to be ready for the new evolved MMA but I was really impressed with with the the fighting that they both did and I thought it was going to honestly I think that, that was fight of the night for sure and performance of the night as well for both fighters there's so much emotion in that you know that only people can dream to fight an icon that you look up to and it was an incredible fight and I thought it would, that should have been main event from the beginning honestly yeah. so it was a really good fight I wish it would have gone five rounds for sure I wanted to see more of it they said that according to uh, or according to some of the MMA reports from you know a lot of the main outlets like Bisping and Chael and a lot of those that that was proposed to turn it to five and Israel was in but Anderson, Anderson they, they, or they that at least from what I heard from I, I those heard reports something about that was too. that Anderson was not open for the five because he didn't sign on for the five right you know I said that I I didn't train for five I'm 43 years old I am not you know I'm not conditioned for it or not ready for it. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. 
But, well, and then that being said, too, you've got to up the ante as far as the money goes. Oh, yeah. You know, which, is that where the factor was at? Right, right. So I I don't think it was necessarily, because, I mean, Anderson is game as it gets. Yeah. And I think that he proved that by saying that, you know what, that's basically like, you know, I know that you, you're a fan of basketball and everything, too, so you've seen a lot of those montage clips of, like, the Jordan and the, the Kobe silhouettes, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. doing the same exact movements, the same all sequences. The same stuff, yeah. There's all those sorts of things. If you go out there and if you look it up on YouTube or wherever you find your, you know, your media, Instagram, whatever, there's a lot of those that splice together the footage of Israel and Anderson, Anderson. and it's so similar that it's just... It's mind blowing because you're watching. Literally, it was a mirror match. Yeah, yeah. A mirror match was the best way that they could have possibly described that, and and you saw that. And I think that that's kind of what helped, in my opinion, that's what helped Anderson in the end was because he's so fluid with his movement and he's just so goddamn dynamic with I the way agree. that he can anticipate where strikes are coming from. They turned that into a K1 match with four ounce gloves, pretty much. Yeah. And his ability, you know, he just he has what 14 years his senior. I think Anderson's 43 and Israel's 29. So, you know, like 14 years worth of of time and experience within, you know, within battle. That that was just, you know, something where, I don't know, like you you probably can speak to it better than I can, but that instinct or that almost feeling like, you know, like as if you're that predator out there, you feel that energy that moves along, you know, like your your line where you pick up the energy, something like that. It's almost like Matrix shit. Like, it you've is. seen it before it's coming. It is, it is. And I mean, that's where your mind comes into game, you know? That's where you got to think. You got to be your own biggest fan at the end of the day. That's, that's what it is. You're, like we always say, if you don't have haters, you're not shit. Mm-hmm. You're nothing, you know? Obviously, if you got haters because you're doing something or you have something they want, right? you know? And I feel like at this point... I don't know if they were the favorites or if they were split even. Or I think Anderson was the underdog, huh? Anderson was the dog by a lot, actually. The, yeah, like the, dude, the line was the line was incredibly was. skewed. So I, I had I have a few buddies who do a lot of sports betting, and yeah. I told them, hey man, like the there's a strong chance that he, he that he might get starched, but if you're looking for a potential good beat, that's a that's a very bad line. Anderson Silva is not a six to one dog to anybody. Wow, that's like, crazy. That's yeah. At one ridiculous. point, it, it, it for sure I mean, was I like even, four I don't and even half. agree that it was a unanimous decision. I would have gave him maybe a split, but I definitely don't think it one was a the unanimous. Judges scored it. scored one for him. You know, so me personally, this is how I score. First round definitely is no no doubt about it. Yeah, I gave the second round to Anderson personally. Me too. I, I thought that he won the second round. I think that, that especially when he caught him with that double jab, mm-hmm. he he stunned Izzy. Yeah, he, I think and, he did more more damage in the second round, mm-hmm. the end landed more. I think too. So at that third round was the toughest one though. But uh, I don't know that that third round was pretty even to me. But I think being a favorite, you also have an upper hand on all that type of shit. You know. It was pretty even overall. I feel like in terms of like a lot of the exchanges, but if you're if you're looking at the numbers from it, like the yeah. actual stat breakdown and seeing like it, you know if, if you're putting it to the most technical aspect and the points aspect, when you're seeing punches landed versus you know everything in that regard, Izzy definitely was much more efficient at that point, and especially when you're just 
encompassing volume because there were some of those where he was just peppering Anderson. Yeah. Anderson was just sitting there and like, like come on, hit me. And you know, he ate it like three or four times yeah, intentionally. Yeah, he, he did. But when you're looking at numbers at the end of the day on the stat sheet, you're seeing, well, that was four for four for punches thrown and punches landed. True. Yeah, so I think that you have to take that into account when you're making that decision for him. Yeah, I definitely. I, I could see that, you know. I still think maybe there should be some type of rule break for these judges at some point. I just think know. there should be more, period. You know, because you could maybe, yeah, someone can land four jabs, but someone can come over and land a vicious hook, mm-hmm. you know, that would do way more damage than those four jabs did. But the judges don't see that. Mm-hmm. They just see the four jabs. Oh, you landed four to one. Right. You know? No, you're right. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it sucks. It sucks not being able to leave it to the judges at sometimes. You know, I've definitely been at the end of the wrong call a few times, a few times, and uh, it definitely sucks. It sucks that you would put you know your career kind of in these people's hands to make the right decision and can't always rely on them. I mean, there are some good judges, I think, but it's different, especially the ones that have never been in the cage. Right. Well, <laughs> that's that's where that's the biggest part of it all, George. Is you have people who just flat out at times have zero depth of experience within martial arts. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot that have more of a background toward boxing, right. but even still, a lot of that is just from the observation end. That's not actually being in there. Right. That's not going through and seeing, okay, well, in this point of these two fighters being on the ground for this two two minutes and, you know, 20-some seconds, that's not seeing that, okay, that through that, you went through about three different systems with two solid submission attempts that were close to a finishing right. point. But they're just looking at that and they're they're basically, they're, they're seeing, you know, laying you prey or it. a wrestle yeah. or something like that and not understanding what's going on. I feel like there was a couple of early stand-ups, especially, like, there was one of the points where they made a stand-up in the Montana De La Rosa oh, fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were both being active. It was like, they, they were both very active on the ground. I they agree. were going through, you know, a lot of different positions, or mm-hmm. at least moving through things. It's not like they were they stalemate. Yeah, yeah, they weren't, they weren't even settled. They were always moving, and even throwing punches at the same mm-hmm. time, you know. I definitely thought that was a bad call of standing it up, too. Which, you know, thankfully for Montana's sake, it didn't hurt her right. because she was able to secure another takedown and get right back to it. But in that situation, you know, we've seen it in the past with other fights, though, where something gets stood up when yeah. it shouldn't have been, it work and out then the they end up way. losing. Right. You know, one of the most famous examples, obviously, being Tito. Yep. You know, that, it's just... I don't know. I, I, I disagree with that. But that's maybe me being a little bit more of a purist, being a fan of the grappling side of things, and having a little bit more of an understanding. By no means am I an expert. I'm just some guy who likes watching. But I watch a lot, and I am a fan of the technical aspects of it. I'm the guy who likes watching a defensive matchup in football. I like watching a pitcher's duel in baseball. I'm a fan of the true art of it. Right, you're you're the detail guy, you know? The mm-hmm. things that people don't notice, you know? And it's a good thing, because that's what a lot of people don't notice, is the small details, you know? All the sacrifice. Like, people just think, like my last fight, I just got booed after I had won, because they thought it was an early stoppage. Like, the difference is, if I had this guy on the ground, and I was hitting him, 27 uncalled for punches that he didn't defend at all, they would have stopped it. What difference does it do that he's standing up? 
Well, what I offer to you in that sort of scenario, when people, you know, bring a, or cry controversy with a finish or something like that, is people are quick to forget what put you in that position to begin with. Right. And I call a much higher profile example in terms of news and notoriety as of recent that everybody's still talking about with the Henry and the TJ stoppage. What yeah, the correlation was... in that instance is, is, you know, yes, what might it have been premature there, but you're forgetting the fact, most people who are critiquing that decision, that TJ was put he on was, his face three times in that sequence. Right. And he himself has since even came out and said, hey, I wore that shot right behind the ear. My equilibrium was off. Yeah, I said I was good. But you weren't good enough to stand up and hold your ground and intelligently defend yourself without getting put down multiple times in succession. Right. Now, could that fight have been extended or let go on a little bit more? Absolutely. Not going to deny that. Not going to refute that at all in the slightest. However, once again, what I offer to you is how many more punches would he have taken in that sequence? How much more damage unnecessarily would he have taken within that barrage of ground and pound that Henry was just raining down at that point? Hey. How much would he have gone through? But no, you know, like I say, how much, uh, you know, how much unnecessary damage would he have had to have taken in that time frame? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he was rocked and... A lot of people, like you say, don't pay attention to those little details, you know. They they don't see it from the fighter's perspective. Like, you talk to a lot of fighters, you know, you have a good idea of what we go through and what we acknowledge in a fight with our thinking processes. You talk to us before or after our fights, like, you, you know more than the average person would, you know. Well, so I appreciate that. <laughs> and I still don't know shit, people. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Um, no, seriously though, like those little minor details that you pay attention to, it, it's it's a whole difference. Like it's the whole new world almost, you know. Just knowing the the facts of stuff, just being educated, it, it's it's life changing. It's you'll see everything in a completely different world, you know. Like even take it from fighting. Like I used to just go out there and fight. I never knew it was a game of chess, you know never knew that if I threw this if I threw a kick you were gonna kick me back I never thought about it like that I was like I just want to hurt you that was it you know and now I'm way more like effective knowing all right well let's let's see what their actions are from this this and that and I think that's one of the main things that helped me evolve as a fighter was knowing that it's a it's a game of chess you know there's a move to every move you just got to know what move you to to play you know oh, yeah absolutely well let's peel the onion back a little bit you know let's take a layer off here so how much within your style and your spirit of a fighter does culture play in for you you know not coming from here originally you know making the move to you know to Colorado move to America in that sense how much is all of that factored into your vision your drive your motivation all of that oh yeah it's a. Uh... It's been a rough road for sure. Um, you know, I would have, I never even saw fighting in as an option or anything. You know, I hardly even knew anything about it when I joined. But uh, I, I came from a rough past. Like, um, I was born in Mexico and literally born there as my mom moved us over to Atlanta, Georgia, um, because my dad is actually a he was a drug trafficker and my mom had seen it all and was kind of over that stuff 
So she decided to try to get away from him. So we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. We were there for a solid seven years before he found us again. So we had to make a move over to Denver. Moved over to Aurora first. And we stayed with some aunties. And, you know, just growing up, it was hard because it was just me and my sister that were taking care of each other, you know. Um, My mom was always working. She was working to provide for us. And it was... Yeah, it was, it was rough just growing up. It was always the same. We were always just doing, me and my sister and my mom was, I knew I knew she was out working hard for us and whatnot. And then it was me and my sister that were just taking care of each other. Um, my sister, unfortunately, got pregnant at 15. So they threw another, you know, stab at her back with that. Um, it was, un, uh, what do you say Unplanned, sorry. Unplanned. Yeah, it was unplanned, so it was it was a crazy story with her and you know, after that it's like all her the attention was going towards her after that, you know. So I'm in the background and I'm not getting acknowledged and stuff, so I'm about thirteen at the time. So I ended up getting into the gangs after that. You know, because I wasn't getting the attention I wanted from the people I wanted and this, this and that, so Started hanging out with some really, really bad people. And before you knew it, I just got jumped in. And being a gang member was one of the toughest things I've ever experienced. Like, I don't, I don't regret anything at any point, honestly, because I feel like everything I, that happened to me and that I did has made me who I am today. And like who I am today, I'm, I'm not ashamed of, you know. But it was definitely a lot of tough lessons that were learned through that process. And um, I finally, you know, got all my shit together at around 18 and decided that this this wasn't for me. You know, I I need to become better because at the end of the day, I was falling into the footsteps of my dad, which was what I didn't want to be, you know. And, yeah, I got 18. I started, you know, looking for jobs. And I I got into high school and I started uh, playing football. Well, back when I was 15, I started playing football. But I played throughout high school. And my junior year is when I really, uh, the wrestling coach was the JV coach of football. And he was always trying to get me to wrestle. He's like, yes, come wrestle. I'll help you in football and this, this, and that. And, like, just come try it. And I was like, nah, like that's that's not for me. Like I don't think I'm gonna like being on another guy and this, this and that. All these excuses to not do it until my junior year. He's just like, hey, George, let me let me offer you something. You come, you train one week, you do one tournament. If you don't like it, I'll never bother you again. I was like, all right, bet, let's do it. We go, go. I wrestle and I. You know, I kind of half-assed it at the beginning, and then towards the end, I was like, I kind of got the jizz of stuff, so I started working a little harder, and tournament came, and I, you know, I had the butterflies, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this, you know, this is a lot of pressure on me, and this is like an individual sport, like there's no one but you going in there. And I went in there, and I, I started. I won my first two matches, and then I lost the second one. I mean, my my third one, which was going to be for placing for first and second. So I ended up having to fight for third. I won third, and 
you know, I got a cool little medal and stuff. And I was like, wow, like, you know, this, this is cool. Like, I was never rewarded for anything because I was always doing bad decisions and stuff. So it's was, it was like cool having a little reward. And I took that and I was like, yeah, I was back on Monday again to train again. And didn't make it to state my junior year, but my senior year was oof, a tough year. But I ended up placing, well, making it through regionals, barely, barely placing six in regional just to get into state. And then going into state, I was able to place six as well. But, oh, God, it was, yeah, oh, it was a journey for sure. So much emotions going those wrestling mats. And, you know, because I'm a, I'm, I was a two-year wrestler going against people who's wrestled for 15-plus years, you know. Yeah. And it was crazy to me. Like, that's, that's what got me really into it. Like, I can beat these people who've been doing it this long. Like, imagine if I only did it for as long as them. Right. And that's why I, I talked to my coach. And we're still really in, uh, close and in, in touch. And I told him, like, I wish I would have listened to you and just done it since freshman year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a bad wrestler. But just imagine what I could have been with two more years. Right. right. Of his knowledge and stuff, man. But... Yep, so after that, uh, it was I graduated 2013, and he was talking about, well, what are you going to do with your wrestling? Because that's when they were trying to take it out at the Olympics and all that, yada, yada, yada. So I was like, I don't know. What, what is there to do with it? So he took me to uh, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym in Stapleton that Sean Stewart um, runs, and Angela Swimmer at the time. And that's where I started my career. I was like... I started doing jiu-jitsu only, and it was, it was awkward because it's kind of the opposite of wrestling. You know, you, you never want to be on your back in wrestling, but in jiu-jitsu, you're the most comfortable in your back. So it was really hard, and it took a while to get um, used to that. And I, I started doing it for about three, two, two, three solid months. And then I met two fighters who were Tyler Sperlin, um, they call him Ginger, and pretty hair Matt Johnson who fought on that LFA card and then they took me on and they were like hey man well, look, you have some really good wrestling like you should try out sparring well sparring what is, what is that yeah they're like oh we just grab gear and we basically fight and I was like oh okay yeah that sounds fun let's do it oh boy I got my ass kicked <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going against like, like Matt like that's when Matt Massonares was training and he was training for that RFA fight when he fought uh, that Brazilian junior something, tall as Brazilian. Uh, but he was one of the top 25ers at the time, and he was mainly the one always kicking my ass in there. And I went in there, and I was like, yeah, this is going to be easy. It's going to be cake. Went in the cage, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> Tried to shoot from way out nowhere, and it was a... It was a tough cookie to swallow for sure because I thought I was in there. I was like, oh, like I find the streets. That's fine with me, you know. They're not going to be nothing I haven't seen. But there definitely was. I've never been kicked in the face until then. Yeah. <laughs> and it definitely sucked. But it, it was all learning experience. I mean, I, like I said, it, it, it's nothing that I regret because all the ass whoopings that I got were who made me what I am today, you know. And I'm thankful for all the ass whoopings that they gave me <laughs> back there. And here still. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it has to uh, 
help build that uh, that heart meter, if you will. You know, like talking, oh, yeah. bringing some video games into into the equation. You know, you see that big old heart meter in any of the fight games. A lot of times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I learned most of my moves were Dragon Ball Z. I just got to fly, and I'll be, <laughs> I'll be good. I'll, I'll be unstoppable if I learn how to fly. But how much, you know? So obviously, you know, you mentioned being a fan, and I, I know just from knowing you that you're a big fan of it. But were was that is that something that's always been a thing that you've been a fan since you were a kid? Yeah, stuff like you know, Toonami, all the run, or just Dragon Ball Z, or what? What's your, I guess choice of uh, anime that way because we talked about style bender there obviously yeah. you know he got his avatar entire you know stuff. avatar and everything from anime yeah yeah no yeah i i grew up with it i mean i watched a whole bunch of different shows too you know but that, that was my favorite one that's what i looked up to always like uh goku and then you know once they started morphing gohan came and and all those people came, and I was like, oh, this is, like, way better. Like, I need to learn everybody's move. <laughs> and that's, yeah, I started really looking at them, and I do kind of take some of their moves and and imply them into my fighting style, you know? And it's really hard to do, but if you do, like, notice how they do, like, little feints and stuff and how they set up all these kicks, like, there's a little bit of of mixed martial arts that they put into the anime making portion of it yeah. and I, I do and it's crazy you, you see a lot of people who do watch anime and you'll see a little bit of the anime that they watch into their fighting style every time every anime person that I've seen that watches the anime that I've seen them fight always I can tell which uh, anime they're into or that they watch right? that's, that's crazy because I'll, I'll be honest with you man I know next to nothing about the anime <laughs> stuff like you know my brother used to watch it a lot but I just that was always kind of like I don't know like a couple of years older you know I'm a couple of years older and he might have just been kind of that generational yeah, gap maybe. I don't know because there's a lot of people my age who are fans yeah but I don't know man like I've, I've been more of a fan now that I've gotten older and like you know becoming friends with all you guys than I ever really was in the past of it but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I understand a little bit more, like the full spectrum of martial arts within it now. Yeah. Or like I, I can, I can pull away the values without feeding too much into the hoopla of yeah. like the. I don't even know the right word to describe <laughs> it within anime, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because right? they do have some crazy stories at times. Yeah. Yeah. So as we start to kind of uh, kind of come to uh, come to an end here, we've been talking for a little bit. Is there anything else out there that you want to throw out to the crowd or to anybody out there that's that might be watching or listening? Uh, no, I just want to thank everybody. You know, all my fans. Nothing without my fans. All my support. You know, I'm really grateful, and I really do appreciate every single one of you. I know sometimes, so many of you guys. I mean, every once in a while, I'll try to reach out to a few of you guys through social media through text you know whatever but uh sometimes i just get overwhelmed with how many of you guys there is and i'm very grateful for uh, everybody who's out there supporting me and believing in me too that uh that i'm able to do this i'm really grateful because there was a time where i didn't even think i was gonna do it you know but yeah. i'm i'm really grateful for everybody that is on my journey and coming through and continuing to be behind me on my journey and thank you Jordan for uh, 
Sorry, folks. Uh, a little miscommunication <laughs> within the facility here. I had the lights turned off on us for just a quick second there. But you know, you you were uh, mentioning, you know, just throwing out some shout outs to uh, yeah. to everybody out there listening right before the lights got <laughs> cut off on us. Oh uh, yeah, that, that's about it. I mean, I want to thank you, Jordan. You know, you've helped us a lot ever since I met you. Uh, you've been helping me and Selena out when wherever you can, and really appreciate you having the time and doing what you do for us as well. Well, I'm appreciative, man. I'm, I'm humbled to hear the kind words. Thank you. Like you know, I thank all of you guys out there that have followed along with the project as well. But above all, I can't do anything or even start putting stuff out there without you guys being open to it. So I thank you for the opportunity and you know for taking the time. You just got done with a you know, with training session tonight. I'm sure dead ass tired after a day of work and everything too. So staying late tonight and you know even past us getting the light shut off on us. <laughs> thank you very much, George. Thank you, thank bro. You. I appreciate it, man. Pleasure. Yo, anytime. I just want to, from my side, throw a quick couple of shout-outs to some people out there. I want to throw a shout-out to Suave from Lion League Music. For those of you who've been following along, Joey does a lot of the uh, a lot of the music that gets built into our content out there. He's been making a lot of moves across the board as a producer and just a content generator in general. He's worked with DJ Drama recently. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's bringing in Blueface for a show in Fort Collins in a couple of weeks. Really? Yes, so cool. uh, I believe it's on March first. Just you know, shout out to Cool and K too as well. He's going to be on the uh, on the bill for the show. And I want to thank you, uh, say thank you to Beyond Bridges. You know, I know that they always uh, they always do a tribute to my brother every time that they perform. So thank you guys for just keeping his memory alive. It's coming up on the one year mark, which it's uh, it's something that weighs heavy on my heart every single day. You know, it's some something that is adversity that has to be adapted to and overcame you know you can't change the past but you can you could help write your future and so for anybody out there who is ever struggling with any sort of unfortunate circumstance death loss whatever it may be don't be afraid to reach out to people you know there's uh, there's great people out there that want to see you do well and if those people that you're spending the most time around don't want that, or if they're not encouraging the best for you, then you need to find a new circle because you're doing yourself a disservice. Life is too short to go through being unhappy or having anything but the best for yourself. But the change has to start with you. So if you're not happy with where you're at, that change has to come from inside. And it may be something that takes a while for you to get to where you ultimately want to be. But nothing in this life that's worth having is easy. So I just want to uh, part ways with that. If anybody out there ever needs that extra person, you know, or you feel like you're just completely lost, you know, the inboxes for uh, for direct messages are there on every single platform. There have been people that have reached out, and, you know, out of respect to them, I will absolutely keep you anonymous, but you guys are what keeps me going. You know, getting those messages from those of you out there who have, you know, sent me the love and the support, I thrive off of that. You know, it kind of makes me emotional that people even reach out in that regard, but for those who have, thank you, and I will continue to return the favor. So, 
Thank you, George, again for taking the time. You can Thank follow you. us along online at Comments from the Peanut Gallery on Instagram. Look us up at www.cftpg.com. You can check our merchandise for all of your uh, all of your fall and winter needs. That collection is up as well as we still have uh, we still have all of the summer gear up from uh, from this last season. There's going to be some new merch that's out coming uh, you know, in the next few. Oh, so yeah. the first one I'm giving uh, giving a little shout and a little rub on that. George also was the winner of our photo contest, so keep following up with us along <laughs> online. You know, we do like to keep up with the fan engagement, like having a lot of these guys in the mix, doing fighter takeovers, all of that. So thank you for all the support out there, and this is Jordan Curtis from Comments from the Peanut Gallery, along with George the Buzzsaw Martinez of Factory X, signing out.